morning. It's good to be with you again. Uh, it's been a couple of years since we've been here. Some of you remember that uh, there's a connection that goes back almost 40 years. Uh, when Bill Bush was still alive, he, uh, there was a Bible conference in Yosemite, and I stumbled into that conference when I was 16 or 15 years old. I heard the gospel for the first time. J. Boyd Nicholson Sr. was preaching. Um, I was a long-haired Californian. He was a Scottish-Canadian, so we immediately connected. And uh, no, he, he did missionary work. He crossed cultural boundaries. He spoke to me about the gospel. He didn't seem put off by my appearance. I, I might have scared some of you if I came into your meeting at that point, my appearance. I understood the gospel for the first time. I understood that Jesus is God for the first time. I was Catholic when I was little, so I knew that Jesus was the Son of God, and I thought he was on the cross or in Mary's arms, but I didn't understand that he was alive and that he was God. And the other thing, I understood that Jesus had taken all of my sins or all of the evil. I didn't really use the word sins at that point in my life. I didn't, I didn't have that in my vocabulary, but I knew that I did bad things, and I knew that I had done some evil things in my life. So I understood that all the things that I had done that were bad, all the ways I'd hurt other people, all the stupid things I'd done, that Jesus had taken those on himself when he died on the cross. So that's my background. I was an atheist at the time. I wasn't a good candidate for becoming a Christian. I wasn't planning on becoming a Christian that week. I was reading Kurt Vonnegut and Woody Allen. That was my light reading. So not, not your things that normally are your pre-Christian kind of things that lead into salvation. And uh, let's see, that's 76, so that gives you an idea of my age. I'm about 53. Uh, the reason why we're back in California, you, you've, most of you probably know we've been living in Turkey for the last um, 16 years, uh, working there with preaching the gospel and innovating ways of presenting the gospel to people. In fact, some of you have helped support some of that through the pantomime work that we were doing, the mime work you were doing before. Um, but there was protest there last June. My wife had a mild, what they call post-traumatic stress response. There was tear gas coming near our windows and tank-type vehicles parked in the streets. It, my, it just frightened my wife quite a bit. And so she couldn't get on the plane. We came back for our daughter's wedding. She couldn't get on the plane to go back last, June, last July. And so we made the decision fairly quickly that we would decide to relocate in the U.S. for at least a period of time. Since most of our five kids are down here in Southern California, we decided to locate down to Fullerton. Uh, we had two kids at Biola still. So we will be here in the area for at least two or three years. That's our current plan. After that, we don't know if we'll go back to Turkey or if we'll be staying in Southern California or maybe going back up to Northern California where we're from. That's an introduction. Uh, now this morning, I want to talk to you. I actually want to tell you a story. And I want to give you a couple of reasons at the beginning why you need to pay very close attention. <clears throat> the first reason is I'm going to ask a volunteer to tell the story back after I've told it. So this is not going to be me here preaching the whole time. This is going to be back and forth a bit. If you've seen my style, I tend, that way, tend to do it that way. Second reason why I want you to pay close attention is that uh, there are some things in this story that I'm going to talk about more tonight that will help us live our lives as Christians and also help us to communicate the gospel to others. So I think it'll be valuable in a number of ways. Not just the message of the story, but the method that I'm going to be using this morning to present this story. Okay? And also, I'm going to be asking for 11 volunteers, so be thinking right now if you're willing to be a volunteer.
because I'm going to pick volunteers if you don't volunteer. You need 11 volunteers. You can be any age, and it'll be very simple what I'm going to ask you to do. Um, okay, so now I'm going to start telling the story. Before I tell the story, actually, I want to give you some introduction to the story. There's five things I want to tell you ahead of time that are not part of the story but help make the story make more sense. The main characters in the story are Jesus and a lawyer. They're having a conversation. And... Uh, a lawyer in that time was not the same as in our day. A lawyer in that time was an expert in the Jewish law. They memorized all 600 and some, 611, I think, laws or 613 laws of the Old Testament, and they were an expert. They were a walking Bible knowledge source, okay? That's the first thing to know. So when I use the word lawyer, I'm not talking about someone who uh, litigates in court and that type of situation. I'm talking about expert in the Bible. Second thing, another... In this story, Jesus tells a story. So this is a story within a story. In the story, some of the characters are Levite and a, uh, a priest. We're not talking about a Roman Catholic priest with a collar. We're talking about a Jewish priest. And he, is, he and the Levite both are born into religious service. It's by the family that they're born into. That's how they became religious. It wasn't necessarily they decided to become religious. And their vocation, they earned their living by being religious. People supported them, at least they were supposed to support them, to be able to carry out their religious duties as um, a priest or a Levite. Uh, another character in the story that Jesus tells is a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans were a group of people that were part Jewish and part from some other background, and the Jews didn't like them. Jews, and they didn't like the Jews. So it may be similar to the Palestinians and the Jews today or the Kurds and the Turks or the Hutsis and the Tutsis, uh, Hutus and the Tutsis in uh, Rwanda or something. It was an ethnic conflict that had been going on for a long, long time. So that's part of the background. I think I said five things. And then there's two cities in the story, Jerusalem and Jericho. Jerusalem is up on a hill. It is a very uh, religious city, capital of of Jewish worship, the temple is there. Jericho is one of the most ancient cities in the world. Uh, it's in the category of three cities that they say might be the most ancient cities in all of humanity. And it is a, uh, it's down in the valley. Some people say it's the lowest spot on earth. It's down in a very deep valley. And it's an, ec uh, an ancient uh, resort area. King Herod, for instance, had a, a summer home there at the time. So when Jesus was telling the story, it was kind of like a resort town down in the valley. I don't know what we could compare that to today. but uh, So that's background for the story. You don't have to remember any of that. That's just the background. Here's the part where you have to start remembering, okay? Now I'm going to start. And this is from the Bible. I should tell you that. I'm not going to use my Bible because I've, I've learned the story, and you can learn it too, and you'll see how easy it is in a few minutes. You probably know the story already, but you can even learn it better. So, a lawyer stood up, and he, in order to test Jesus, he asked him a question. He said, teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what's written in the law? How do you understand it? And the lawyer said, you shall love the Lord your God 
with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've given the right answer. If you do this, you will live. But the lawyer wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus a question. He said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, there was a man who was coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers and they stripped him and they beat him and they left him half dead. And it happened that there was coming along that road a priest and he saw him and he went around the other way and passed by. And there was also a Levite who was coming on the same road. And he came to where he was and he saw him. And he also walked around him and passed by. But there was a Samaritan. And he was on a journey. And when he came to the place where he was, he saw him. And he went to him. And he bandaged up his wounds. And he poured oil and wine on his wounds. And then he put him on his beast. And he took him to an inn. And he took care of him. The next day, he said to the innkeeper, he took out Two denarii, oh, I forgot, this is an important detail of the story that I was supposed to tell you at the beginning. Two denarii is worth $350 today. So that was an important detail I forgot. He took out two denarii, he gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, take care of him, and if it costs anything else, I'll pay you back later when I come back. Jesus asked now to the Lawyer, he says, so which of, the, which of these three men proved to be a neighbor to the man who, was, who fell among robbers? And the Pharisee answered, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go do the same thing. And that's the end of the story. If you want to read the story, you can find it in Luke chapter 10, starting around verse 25. Now I'm looking for the first volunteer, and all you need to do is just start with the place where the lawyer stood up, and he asked the question. Start from there, and as much as you can remember, you don't have to remember every detail, just as much as you can remember, starting from when the lawyer stood up and, and asked the first question to Jesus, 
Just tell the story in your own words. Do I have a volunteer? Doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to know every detail. Go ahead. Anything else? Uh, and he says, who, who amongst those three were, was the good neighbor and was, of course, the one that showed mercy? Good. Very good. I should, I, we want, maybe we should clap for him. That's, takes, it's brave to, be, to just say from memory. But you see, we can remember stories pretty easily. And we're familiar with the story, but even a story we've heard for the first time. We can remember many of the relevant details just by hearing it once. And I'm going to go through the same story three or four times this morning. So by the time we're done, we're going to know this story pretty well. The next time we're going to go through it, I'm going to need this 11 volunteers. So just raise your hand real quick if you decided you want to volunteer. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, who else? I need seven... I think I need three more. Come up front so we can see how many we have, the ones of you raise your hand. I need a few more. I can have some sisters. I don't think we have any sisters up here yet. I can have some women. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, what, you're, what we're going to do is uh, a few more volunteers, so please keep coming. We won't be able to do this without the volunteers. We're going to tell this story, but this time you're going to each take a role. The last one to volunteer might get the, the role of the, uh, the donkey, so you don't want to be the last one to volunteer. Uh, okay. We need uh, how many more? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A few more. Okay, so who would like to be Jesus? That's usually the hardest role to give away. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, I got two Jesus. Well, I saw, I saw his hand first. Uh, you have the beard, that's a Jesus kind of looking beard and everything. Just grow your hair out a little bit, you'll, find, you'll be fine. Okay, then we need someone to be the uh, lawyer. Okay, lawyer. So the Jesus and the lawyer, you come over here. We need a f how many more volunteers? We need a few more volunteers. One more. One more volunteer. We need three robbers. We've got a lot of people ready to be robbers. Uh, you three that are closest, you could come over. Three robbers. We need a Samaritan. Guy who gets beat up. I mean, the guy who's the helper. You're the good guy. Here's the hero. 
be the hero. Uh, let's see, who else do we need? We need an innkeeper. Are you going to be the, the guy on the road? You're going to be the victim. We need an innkeeper. We have an innkeeper, okay. We need, uh, who else? I'm forgetting. Oh, we need a priest and a Levite, religious guys. Okay. You look pretty religious. Uh, we, <laughs> somebody had to do it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I guarantee you're not going to forget this story. <laughs> okay. So the... The, the uh, Jesus and the lawyer start over here, so we'll actually have to move you back to this side now since we got crowded up. I'll tell the story, and you just uh, act it out a little, or mouth it out a little bit. If you can remember parts of it, you're welcome to do it, but I'll just I'll guide you through it. So a lawyer stood up, and in order to test Jesus, he asked him a question, and he said, And, the, and Jesus answered, and he said to him, Good answer, though. He asked him two questions. He said, What is written in the law? And he said, How do you read it, or how do you understand it? And Jesus answered, and he actually, Jesus quotes here from Leviticus 18, maybe you didn't notice that, and he says, if you do this, then you will live. If you do this, then you will live. And the, joy, the lawyer wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus another question, and he asked him, what? Teacher, who is my neighbor? Okay, and so now... You, got, you can sit down, lawyer. And uh, Jesus, you're just telling the story, but I'll uh, guide you through it again. So there was a man coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. And they stripped him. They stripped him. And they beat him. You can keep beating for a while. <laughs> and, they, and they left him. They left him. This is your cue. They left him half, uh, half dead. That wasn't funny. They left him half dead. And now uh, there happened to be coming along that road a, a priest and when he saw him, he went around the other side. And there was also on that same road a Levite. And when he came to the place where he was, he saw him, and he also passed along the other side. He was texting or something. <laughs> I, I, that, that was not in the original. I just added that. Sorry. And... Uh, but there was a 
Samaritan. Where's the Samaritan? And, and, he was on, and he was on a journey. And he came to the place where the man was, and he saw him. And what did he do before he went to him? He, I think I left this out when I told it. He felt compassion. Very important thing I left out. He felt compassion, and then he went to him. He's an EMT. Yeah, is he? Oh, good. He went to him. I'm an ER nurse, so I know a bit about this. Uh, he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. Very good. And then he put him on his beast. And he, he took him to an inn. Here we go. That's very good. Very good acting. He took him to an inn. And, and then he took care of him. Okay. Now, oh, that's good. Now, the next day, he took out some two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, he said to him, would you take care of him? Take care of him, and if there's any extra charge, I'll, I'll give the rest to you when I return. Sweet. Okay. And so now the story is done, but now we come back to Jesus and the lawyer. So Jesus and the lawyer, you guys, so you guys can go back to your, the rest of you except Jesus and the lawyer can go back to your seats. Now the, Jesus and the lawyer stay here, and the lawyer, uh, or Jesus then asks the lawyer this question. He says, so who among these people proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the thieves? Who among those people proved to be the neighbor? Among the three, I guess he said. Okay. He said, the one who showed mercy. And, uh, and Jesus said, go, do the same. Do likewise. Do the same thing. How we'd probably say it today. We wouldn't say do likewise. So I, I changed a little bit, but just so we'd have it more in everyday language. So go and do likewise. Okay, very good. Give these guys another hand. Thank you. Okay. So now I'm going to go through the story one more time, and this time I'm going to ask you some questions. Maybe two more times if we have time. We'll see. I'm going to ask you some questions. The first time I go through it, I want to ask you questions so that we can see the story more carefully. We're going to go through it very slowly, in a sense, and try to understand what was happening. And tonight, I'll explain to you the kind of questions I'm asking and how I can do it without notes, because they're very simple questions that you can learn. The kind of questions I'm asking, you can do it with any story. Uh, so we'll start here. At the very beginning of the story, the lawyer does something. What does he do? He stands up. Okay? He stands up and he asks Jesus a question. What was the question? Do you recall? Yeah. What, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And when he addresses Jesus, he uses a title to address Jesus. What does he call him? He calls him teacher. So, teacher, what, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? But the story tells us something else, that there was something that he was thinking. What was he thinking when he asked this question to Jesus? He's trying to test him or trick him. Hmm. So what do we learn just 
that's the first little segment of the story. What do we learn about the lawyer and Jesus and their interaction so far? Anything we've learned just with those few, that short introduction? Would you say they're friends or maybe not on good terms? And uh, anything else that we might learn? He doesn't necessarily believe that Jesus is whoever Jesus is claiming to be. Doesn't, he's not convinced. And uh, we know from his background that he's an expert in the whole Bible. In the, uh, all, all the Bible that was written up until that point, the whole Old Testament. And especially the rules and the law. And so, the question he asked Jesus, uh, Jesus responds by doing what again? What does he do? He asks him two questions. Does that surprise you, that Jesus asks, answers a question with two questions? The questions are, first of all, what is, what is written in the law? So who is he talking to again? He's talking to an expert in the law. Well, that's convenient. So what's written in the law, he says. And then he asks him another question, which is very important. He says, how do you read it? Or how do you interpret it? How do you understand it? What do we learn about Jesus by the way he responds? Anything we can learn from, about him? What are some other ways that someone in Jesus' position could have responded? That's another way. What, what other choices might he have made in terms of how he responded? Hmm? Something, someone said something about the lawyer trying to trick him, so if he was aware of that, maybe he could have tried to trick him back. I don't know. Anything else we learned? Yes. Oh, very good. So asking questions sometimes can be used to try to trap people or trick them. Sometimes they can be used to try to reveal what's really going on. That's very good. Good observation. So perhaps Jesus was trying to help the lawyer to see what was already going on in his own heart. We don't know these details, but we're just asking these questions as we read it. And we're trying to learn how to read the scriptures. Most of the Bible is written in stories, as you realize. And so every time you read a story in the Bible, you can use the same kind of approach. Or if you're teaching a story to children or having a conversation, you can use the same approach to try to help a person understand what the scripture is telling from a story. So, uh, and the lawyer then responds to him by quoting from... Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you maybe knew that. He quotes from two different parts of the Old Testament, and he says, first of all, that you should do what? You should love your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. So notice I did some motions. That helps me to not forget the four things in the right order, because I can picture that as I'm telling it to you. I don't have to do the motions. I can picture it in my mind, but I do it so that you can picture it easier because I always get the order mixed up. 
which, which order am I supposed to love God in? And, uh, and then he says, and you should love who? Your neighbor. The word neighbor there means the person that's near to you, next to you. It doesn't mean the person who lives next door. That's how we normally use the word neighbor today. The word neighbor, as it was used in Jesus' time, meant people that are near you, anybody who's near to you. It could be uh, physically speaking, proximity, or it could be metaphorically speaking, like my daughter is near to me even though she's in Northern California because she's my daughter. So she's near can be both in both senses, metaphorically or directly. Uh, so Jesus then... Uh, answers the lawyer, and what does he tell him after the, the lawyer is given this wonderful answer? Now Jesus responds to him by saying, go do this, go do the same thing, and you will live. If you do this, you will live. Which is actually a quote also from Leviticus, just a little bit before or after the quote that the other fellow used, that the lawyer used. So Jesus is showing him respect. He's speaking to him in his language, isn't he? I guess I'm giving you an answer. I, was gonna, I could, said, could have said, what do we learn about Jesus from the fact that he quotes from the Bible in his response when he's talking to a lawyer? We learn maybe. Do you think the lawyer felt happy at this point? Or how did the lawyer feel by Jesus' response? Jesus has just get, said, great, good answer. Go do this and, and you'll live. How does the lawyer feel at this point? Do we have any hints in the story itself? feels trapped. Isn't that strange? He's just given the right answer. Jesus says, you've given the right answer. They both exchange Bible verses. They're all in agreement. And yet the lawyer wants to do something about himself. He says, what does he want to do? He wants to justify himself. He wants to make himself look better in this situation. Hmm. What other kind of responses might the lawyer have had in the similar context? They've had this interaction. Now he's, he's just given the right answer. How else might he have felt? We, we know this is, that's how he felt. He wanted to justify himself and maybe felt trapped. But how might he have felt at that point? He could have felt guilty. Like, maybe I'm not loving my neighbor, and he just told me I have to actually do this, not just know it. <laughs> how else might he have felt? Grateful. Wow, we both agree. This is... we. We, we've read the scriptures and we've understood them and we, we've come to the same conclusion. This is wonderful. He could have done that, but that's not what he did. And that's not what he was feeling or thinking at the time. And so he asks them a question, and the question is what? Who is my neighbor? Hmm. Pretty deep question. About 7 billion people today, but we'll get to that later. A lot of people to consider. He says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus this time, instead of asking him questions, what does he do? And instead of quoting scripture, what does he do? He tells a story. Hmm. What do we learn about Jesus by the fact that he answers with a story? Anything? Okay, make it simple. Catches attention. Who else might have been there besides Jesus and the lawyer? The story doesn't tell us directly, but who else might have been there? The other disciples. 
One way we might pick up on that, even though it doesn't state it directly, there's several other events that are happening beforehand, but we're not 100% sure if this is a chronological event and that the events written just before it in Luke happened just before it because there's no filler words that say, and then. But the fact that the lawyer stood up means, gives you the impression that there was something else going on, that the lawyer was seated, there was something else going on, and now the lawyer stands up. Maybe Jesus was teaching and there were a group of people sitting around. Maybe Jesus was the only one standing, but Jesus sometimes sat when he taught. We don't know. Maybe the lawyer was in the back and there was a crowd. and he We don't know. This. Those are just speculations. But we get the idea that something was going on because the, lawyer, the details included that the lawyer stands up. What else do we learn about Jesus by the fact that he answers with a story? Yeah. He showed compassion to the lawyer by telling him the story. Very good. Yeah. Showed compassion. He told a story that they could relate to. Who do you think that the lawyer might have related to most in the story? The priest or the Levite, huh? Hmm, not the hero. But anyway, we'll get to that. And uh, so. Anything else that you can think of about what do we learn about Jesus by the fact that he tells the story? Here's, here's a chance to impress him with more Bible knowledge if he wanted to. I'm just going to throw that out. Jesus knew the scriptures pretty well, do you think? He could have impressed him with his Bible knowledge. He could, have, he could have helped him see a finer point of the scripture or some other point, maybe, huh? And sometimes people say, well, Jesus told the story because... You know, the people were uneducated in that day and they couldn't understand it. But who is he talking to now? He's talking to one of the most the educated people around and a guy with a phenomenal memory. He could memorize hundreds of laws and use them at will. And not only that, but a man who distilled from all of those laws the two most important ones. Because we see that conversation several times. Jesus had it with several different people. This comes up a number of times. It's not the only conversation where we come down to just those two commandments. So this is, not, this is a, not just a lightweight person. And Jesus still decides to use a story to answer him. Okay, so now in the story, it starts with, there was a man. What do we know about this man? Almost nothing except his gender. <laughs> do we know what race he was? Do we know what religion he was? Because I've heard many times people teach on the story as if he was Jewish, but we don't know that from the story. Possible, but we don't know it. Jesus, what do we learn from, what do we learn by the fact that Jesus leaves out any information about his, gen, about his race, about his uh, ethnicity, about anything else about him? What do we learn by, by, from, the, from that fact alone? Sorry, it doesn't matter? Ah, it could apply to any person. That's good. Very good, good observation. So he's coming down, and he's coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. Those are two different cities. I told you a bit about them. Anything that we can learn from the fact that those cities are included, I wonder? Could have just said he's on a journey between two cities. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, why was, what was a Levite in the... What were they doing going down to uh, Jericho? Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah, it might, might be like going to Reno or something. I don't know. It's like, what are you doing going to Reno? Ah, it's just cheap food, you know? It's not, <laughs> I'm going there for the food, not the gambling. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe there was some religious aspect. Maybe he was religious. We don't know. But anyway, he was going down from these two cities. He was on this road. It was a known to be a dangerous road. It was a downhill slope. And, uh, and in some ways, you could say the two cities could be symbolic. One is a symbolic thing of maybe religion, and the other is symbolic of man's accomplishments and, and pleasure-seeking or something. Who knows? Those, but those are important details that are, Jesus decides to include when he's telling the story. The man is going on this road, and in the story, he falls among thieves or robbers, and they do several things to him. The first thing they, the story tells us is that they do what? They strip him of his clothes, and they beat him. Let's stop with just the being stripped part. Hmm. You put yourself in the place of the man who's the victim in the story. How are you feeling now? You've just been, your clothes have been ripped off. You're feeling naked. How else are you feeling? Embarrassed. Anything else? Cold. Pain. Okay. Angry. And then they beat him up, and they beat him up to a point where he was half dead, it says. It's not a technical term. I worked, some of you know, I worked for a number of years in the emergency department as a registered nurse. I've seen people who are half dead. <clears throat> I've seen people who are all dead. Um, I've seen people who go from being half dead to all the way dead, and I've seen people who have been all the way dead coming back to life. We've done, I've seen the whole gamut. I've seen people whose hearts have stopped and uh, seen people of all ages, small children, uh, adults, self-inflicted wounds, suicide attempts, hit by car, all sorts of things. I've seen a lot of things. And when a person is half, in fact, I've been studying it this week, interestingly. I've been studying about shock. I'm trying to take another test, start working in the hospital again. And I've been studying about it. It's, it, it feels bad. It's a bad, yeah. Pain never feels good, but here you are naked, uh, half dead, and it says they left him there alone, abandoned. So all these things going on. We're going to speculate here for a minute. Now, the, uh, the, a Levite starts to come down the road, and let's say that the man is just awake enough to see that this man is coming. How might he feel when he starts to see someone coming on the road? Maybe hopeful. He sees the guy dressed in religious garb. Oh, somebody I can trust. How else might he have felt? He might have felt afraid. Maybe he had bad religious experiences. <laughs> this guy is going to get my money. He's going to take, take my underwear. I don't know. He, he could have felt afraid. What else? Any other thing that he might have been feeling? Maybe hopeful. And then the guy walks past him. He sees him, and then he walks past him. Now how is he feeling? Disappointed. The other guy comes. He walks by. Now more disappointment. 
Now let's put ourselves in this guy's position. How is he feeling? He's thinking, what's he, what might he be thinking about God? I want you to, God is a character in every story in the Bible and in every scenario in our life. Even though we don't see him or hear him always, he's always a character in every scenario. How might he have been feeling about God at this moment, the Samaritan? Yeah, here's God. His, his guys that work for him just walk right by me. What's going on here? Might felt really abandoned by God. Now the, 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 there's a Samaritan and there's a detail in the story that says he was on a journey. The other people, we don't know what they were doing. But the only one we know that had some sort of purpose in his travel was the Samaritan. He was on a journey. He was doing something. It wasn't just idly passing time going down the road. He was on a journey, maybe a business trip. We don't know. Maybe a religious trip. And when he comes to the same spot, all three of them saw the man, and he sees him as well. And then we have the first change. What is, and I forgot when I told the, told the story the first time, I forgot to say it. The first thing we learn about this, the Samaritan is that he felt something. He felt compassion. In Turkish, we, the word compassion means to hurt with somebody. That's how it means. It, it comes across. In English, it's with passion, with feeling. The idea of feeling with somebody else, empathy. We feel with somebody else. He felt compassion for him, and he went to him, it says, right? What, is that what he did next? He went to him where he was. So he was further away. He came to the place where he was. And then what does he do? Bandages his wounds, and then what? Poise oil and wine on the wounds, and then what? He puts him on his beast, and then what? He takes him. To an inn, and when he gets to the inn, even before he pays, he does something. He takes care of him some more, and the very and the next day. So he's taking care of him into the evening. The next day, he takes out some money and he gives it to the innkeeper, and he says, "You take care of him, and if there's anything more, what? I'll pay you later." Jesus doesn't ask this question. He doesn't ask about the uh, innkeeper, but I'd like, I'd like you to think about the innkeeper. Was the innkeeper a neighbor to the man? Jesus only asked about the three people who passed him on the road. Was the innkeeper being a neighbor? He was taking care of him. I see some yes and some no. What? He was showing compassion on the man. No, doesn't say that, does it? He was caring for the man, but he was caring for him. Why? Because he was hope, because he got paid, and he was hoping for even maybe more or later. <laughs> he was hoping for future gain. So you, we could take care of people without love, without compassion. We can do good things for people without love or compassion, can't we? And the end of the story, then we, Jesus asked the question again, and he says, "Which one of these three was a neighbor? Proved to be a neighbor to the one who was." And the man answers. He doesn't say the Samaritan, which is what we first thought he would say. He, studied, he says the one who showed mercy. It was a good observation, wasn't it? it was, he, the man showed mercy. He got the point of the message. So we learn, again, we learn about the lawyer something. that He's a, he's a smart man. He's, he's, he picks things up quickly. He got the point, but he didn't want to mention the Samaritan. Any thoughts on that? 
I don't like those guys. It's like the Samaritan. No, let me just, the guy that had mercy. And, uh, and then Jesus tells him, go do the same thing. Go do likewise. And that's the end of the story. That's the end of this whole event. Tonight, we're going to look at it and think about how this applies to ourselves and also learn a little bit more about how to tell a story and ask the kind of questions that I did. It's actually very simple. It takes some practice, but it's very, very simple. And uh, just as a closing thing, I'd like you to ask yourself a question. Uh, well, this one isn't one you have to answer aloud. But I, and, it's, and it's not going to get us all the way to application yet. But why would Jesus, do you th what, what do we learn about the fact that Jesus uses a Samaritan as the hero in the story? For instance, there's other things he could have done. He could have had the hero be an ordinary Jew, right? Or he could have had the victim be a Samaritan and a Jew helps a Samaritan. That would have been good. But instead, he chooses a Samaritan as the hero. This would be like going to Saudi Arabia and choosing the Pope or a Christian as the hero or something like that. Or like going to New York and choosing a Muslim as the hero of your story when you're talking to a bunch of Christians. Hmm. What, do we learn? what do we learn about what it means to be a neighbor by the fact that he chose a Samaritan to be the hero? I'll leave you with that question, and then tonight... We'll go a little further into the story. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have seen us, that you have had compassion on us, that you've come to us, that you've bound up our wounds, that you've poured oil and wine on them, and that you've carried us, and you've brought us to a place of safety and comfort and that you've kept caring for us and kept caring for us and kept providing for us and kept giving and kept giving. We thank you for the way that you have had mercy on us and had compassion on us. And we pray that you would give us an understanding of why and how to do this with the other people around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.